0: let's have some fun josh west coast guy born and raised last september you get your dream job as the eighth president of the baseball hall of fame but you have to haul your family from cali or arizona to cooperstown new york josh the most important question what food are you or the
1: family missing the most from cali um i would say that the, the one that comes up the most around the house is actually in and out burger we are we are a big <laughs> in and out burger family and uh but it's interesting. There's just not a lot of chains in Cooperstown. So everything from uh, Chipotle to <laughs> Burger King, you really have one. You have McDonald's just south of town here and not a lot else. So we've been enjoying all the mom and pop restaurants here. But anytime we get out of town, we tend to go to the, uh, the fast food chains we can't get to.
0: Any food up there in Cooperstown that's blowing the West Coast
1: out of the water? Ooh, great question. Um, you know, there is a um, there's one unique thing to upstate New York that I had never really heard of until I moved here called chicken riggies i don't know if that means anything to you but no, i'm a um, brooklyn guy i've never heard of that hold on what it's is that apparently upstate only and i think it was created in utica it's a pasta chicken pasta dish i think that has rigatoni and some other stuff in it but there's a great place here boca that does chicken riggies that i had never heard of till we moved here
0: i'm not gonna embarrass and start a fight with the in and out crowd but if you ever a to the city you know shake shack's pretty good right
1: i do like shake shack and you get a, you get a little more of those they just right before we left arizona they just put one in Um, literally they put one in Arizona right when we left town. So I never had one in Arizona, but I am a fan. I've had them at at City Field too.
0: Well, congratulations on being the eighth president of the Hall of Fame. Uh, My question is, it's a silly one, but how and why is there only eight presidents?
1: Um, It's not a silly one. It actually makes sense. Um, So it actually probably has to do as much with, as as cool as it is to say that there's only been eight of us, um, there were actually prior to that in the early days of the Hall of Fame, there were what they called directors it was kind of somebody who ran the building but it wasn't quite the same so it wasn't until about eight people ago that they started referring to it as a president um (laughs) so i don't know how many if you count the directors there haven't been that many maybe 12 13 i mean it's obviously a job you want to hang on to for a long time so it's been around 83 years and a lot of people want to do it for 10 years plus that's that's what seems to happen
0: have you fanboyed out yet and did the night the museum and at 2 a.m open the door and walk around have you done it yet be honest
1: I have not, but I do. What's funny is I do go in um, every day. I have a calendar reminder pop up and just reminds me, hey, go into the museum and go see something you haven't seen or read a plaque that you don't know a lot about the guy. Or And, and so I, I do that most days. And then honestly, a lot of times what's interesting is when the doors open at nine, I don't know when the last time you were, if you've been to the hall before, but. Um, last year, actually. Okay. So when you, when you come in, we encourage people to start their visit on the second floor with the movie mm-hmm. and go to the third floor and finish in the plaque gallery. So when I get in, I'm usually here most mornings by about 7:45, 8 o'clock. Um, it's it's empty. I'm in the Plaque Gallery by myself, and uh, quite often I just kind of look around and I can't believe that this is my office.
0: You grew up in the uh, Cali. Were you a baseball fan or or sports fan?
1: Um, both, but definitely baseball was always my top sport. I mean, far more than anything else. It's it, for me, it's kind of baseball, college basketball, and football are the three that I follow the most, but. Um, I just, I grew up a Dodger fan, loved baseball since I was five years old and have worked in it since I was 18. So it's uh it's pretty crazy where my career, most, most people who dream of being in Cooperstown don't dream of doing it this way, but it's worked out for me.
0: And I always love, and I'm not going to rehash it because you say it every interview, but Steve Sachs was your favorite player. I love when people have random favorite players. Like my dad was Mickey Mantle. He can walk on water. When you say Steve Sachs, I'm like, how cool is that? Like a different player. And why was the uh, one reason you love Sachs?
1: Um, I think it was his hustle. I mean, I was never the best player and I, for anybody that grew up in the eighties, you remember this guy would draw a walk and he would sprint to first base and nobody did that. He just, he, I was a second baseman. I love, I wore number three because of him. And I don't know if you saw the news this week, but he actually just lost his yes. son in the, in the crash. And, um, it's just devastating news for, for anybody, obviously all of those who lost people in that crash, but Steve was just here a couple of weeks ago for our hall of fame classic game. And I was catching up with him and, now to think what his family's gone through is just, it's, it's scary stuff.
0: You and I have the same loves, baseball, college basketball, college football. I root for a good college basketball team. You can see behind me, Kentucky. How'd the, how'd the
1: Josh, how'd Josh from Cali end up in Indiana, the Hoosier State? Um, actually, interestingly enough, the same. My uncle, who introduced me to baseball when I was five years old, sent me my first pack of baseball cards. His son, my cousin, went to Indiana and uh, and when he graduated college, he always wanted to work in Hollywood, so he came and lived with his LA cousins. And I was probably 13; he was probably 22. And he would always talk about how great IU was and convince me to go visit it. And then, as soon as I set foot on the campus, I was like, "Man, this is way better than Kentucky. I'd definitely go on here." You uh, know, it it's all it's, I met my wife there. We're raising our kids as good Hoosiers, and uh, it, it was pretty awesome. Uh,
0: after Indiana, how did you get the gigs? You went from California to Indiana. How would you get back with the Dodgers as an intern, if, I, if I'm if i correct?
1: Yeah, so my, actually my freshman year of college, um, there was a professor who said, hey, don't be afraid to send your resume to your hometown team. You never know what will happen. And so I was a freshman, and I fired it off to the – I didn't even have a resume. I had to literally work <laughs> with an advisor on how to create one. It was obviously a very different environment in 1994, 95. Um, so I sent the resume off to the Dodgers, and I got an internship after my freshman year. And I basically, after that finished, I kept asking, do you mind if I come back after my sophomore summer? And they said – Oh, we've never really had anybody do that before. And I said, does that mean nobody can? And they said, no, if you want to come back, you can come back. So I, I basically came back as an intern after my sophomore and junior summers. And then luckily, right when I was graduating college, somebody left to, left in the department I worked in. And at my job interview was, I called my old boss and said, hey, I heard Tracy left. Could I interview for that? And he said, how quickly can you be back here? The job's yours if you want it. And I guess I just had the lucky fortune of spending 3 summers showing them what I could do so by the time the position opened they didn't really have to interview me he just felt I was the right fit
0: and what really year did lucky. you yeah what year were you interning over there i know it was 3 years what years
1: yeah 90 it was the uh summer of 95 96 97
0: so that was uh, piazza was nomo there yet or not yet
1: nomo was my nomo was my very first year i came in with nomomania so i was i was actually just had last week i was showing somebody an artifact tour and we have a baseball from nomo's first win and it was literally like a month after I started was his first win. And, uh, yeah, I got to be there for all of that. And uh, and then guess it would be yeah, – I wasn't there for Piazza and Caro's rookie years but, or Mondesi, but obviously was a fan of the team at the time. And then I saw Nomo and Todd Hollinsworth as their five consecutive rookies of the year.
0: That Nomo time, I remember I was like 13 or 14. It was must-watch must, must watch on SportsCenter, a couple of games whenever they won, You had, you stopped what you were doing. I know you're another Dodger guy. I watched a 30-for-30 30 30 on uh, Fernando Mania. But yeah. no, Nomo mania because it was all the Japanese. I remember that was like insane.
1: Yeah, it really was for people of of my age. Or it sounds like you're a little younger, but ultimately, um, that was their Fernando mania, and it, it my, everybody in LA said it was exactly what Fernando mania was like. Though the big, the crazy thing is, you I mean, you saw the the, the in Tokyo, they literally had show these on the side of like Times Square type television billboards, and the whole country would just stop to watch Nomo and. You think about everything that's come after him, whether it was Matsui or Suzuki or any – I mean, the Dodgers had six or seven, mm-hmm. you know, Ishii and Kuroda. And, I mean, it's just – it's a really cool – it's been really cool to kind of be able to see that from the very first guy that walked in the door all the way through now when there are many great players on every team.
0: You went then – you did the MLB beat writer thing, went to Arizona for a while. I know you were instrumental in getting I – I saw a podcast with you talking about the food. You did so much in Arizona – How does your name even come up in the conversation about the Hall of Fame president?
1: I mean, in a lot of ways, it has to do with networking. And I I got to know the president, the previous president, um, Jeff Idelson, who who was here for about 25 years. He was president for about 10, but he was with the Hall for 25 years in various roles. And um, he was the one who called me. I was actually on my way to spring training. And he called and said, hey, I'm just curious. I, I think you'd be a good fit to replace me. And I I just kind of remember thinking, like, I can't actually believe this is really happening. And I I came home, told my wife, you're not going to believe the call that I got today. And she said, how would we ever say no to that if you got that opportunity? And sure enough, um, when it came through, it was kind of like, man, this is really a once in a lifetime dream job. It is
0: a dream job. But now the preparation about moving, were you a little nervous? Because every New Yorker is moving to Arizona or Florida. You do it the opposite way. Obviously, dream job.
1: Any hesitation on your end? No, I mean, it, just like anybody with a family, you you always worry about your kids. And so my, my kids are in eighth and sixth grade. They're both finishing up this week. And so th- I think the biggest concern was just how will they adjust? And how, I mean, my wife and I are pretty we're all pretty adventurous people. And, and we feel like we can kind of make friends wherever we go. But you never really know about a 14 year old and a 12 year old. And so um, thankfully, they've adjusted really well. And we told them like this is I remember my daughter saying something. She's very, very wise for her age. But she said something like, you know, I don't want to leave my friends in Arizona, but I, I, I understand why we're doing this. I mean, I can't believe wow. that this is the job you've got. And, and I would do it if I was you. Uh, my son, actually, after 10 minutes of talking about it, finally stopped. He goes, I thought you were kidding. Is this real? <laughs> and I said, no, we've been talking about this for 10 minutes. This is real. Um, and they uh, thankfully, they're all settled in pretty well. And we're living right here in the village.
0: <clears throat> Obviously, the title is sick. President of the Baseball Hall of Fame. What else appealed to you about the job itself besides the cool ass title?
1: Well, certainly, obviously, it's got to be more than a title. Or you're doing something wrong. So, I mean, ultimately, I've always loved baseball history. I've always loved following the game going. But I mean, I, it just the, the the stories that we tell here, the ability to really connect generations. We talk a lot about the, how this place connects generations. And every single day, we get to help people do something that they're going to remember for the rest of their life. Like, we, we literally, almost every single day, I come across someone who is experiencing something that they will be talking about 40 years from now. And I think that the idea that we can, A, have that impact on people, and B, really, I think, help help modernize and, and keep this place relevant for future generations. I know that's that's been a big part of what I've tried to do is incorporate, whether it's technology or new content ideas at the teams I was at before, the idea that I'll have a chance to really um, you know work with a great team here to keep this place so that 30, 40 years from now, kids are coming and having the same experience that they have now and that they're parents had 30, 40 years ago. It's just, I mean, it's just such a special place. It's hard to describe. Like, I I can't imagine saying no to this idea. It's it's not the title. It's just the idea of this Hall of Fame that's so interesting.
0: A few days ago, I read an article about what the Hall of Fame's doing. Did you partner with the Museum for All to try to bring, can can you explain that? Because I thought that was a great idea.
1: Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. A really, really cool program that one of our staff members um, brought to a meeting and said, I've heard about this group. Um, they essentially are a an organization that works with museums all around the country to make sure that uh, the cost of a museum isn't what stops somebody from going there so um, essentially it's you have to prove that you you don't have the financial means it's the snap cards people refer to it as food stamps if your family is on those sorts of benefits um, when you show that we let you in for free awesome. um, which is really cool it just we don't we want this place to be accessible to everybody we want this to be a place that anybody can love and it's it's not expensive to come here, but I wouldn't say it's cheap. I mean, we, we, we know that people are making a trip here and we we have we're a nonprofit organization, so we can't just get away by charging five bucks to get in. Um, there's a real ticket price behind coming to the Hall of Fame. And uh, we just don't ever want that to be something that stops somebody from coming. So joining this program, it's an incredible program. And there's hundreds of museums around the country um, that are a part of it because they, they have the same goal. They don't want people to to be limited in who can attend museums.
0: Were you president, I know you took over in September, were you president mm-hmm. for Jeter's first, because uh, that's a hell of a way to start with Jeter coming in.
1: Yeah, well, what's interesting is, so I actually started at the hall about 10, 10 days, two weeks before that, um, but I was kind of shadowing my predecessor. So he was technically the president at the induction. We were both on stage for it. And then uh, and then the next day was when my my tenure started on September 9th, the day after Jeter.
0: You, uh, when you think Hall of Fame, you think the plaques, you think the busts when you walk in. Uh, I was there recently, and there's so much day-to-day stuff that people don't realize that are always there. Who makes that decision of what's coming there and what's
1: not? And I love your questions. These are really, really good because most people <laughs> do think most people think it is just kind of a plaque gallery, and there's there is so much more there. We have an entire curatorial team that is museum trained, museum focused. they've they've had master's degrees in museum studies or they've studied collections. and I mean we have forty thousand artifacts, but we're offered every single day the chance to bring in more. And so we actually have once a month, we have an accessions committee meeting, um, one for the artifacts and one for the library. And we'll basically go over each item and say, okay, someone has offered us this Rockford Peaches uniform. And I'm thinking as the kind of newbie, I'm like, well, of course we want that. And <laughs> we're like, well, we have two already in the collection. Like, do we really need a third? I mean, it's, it's amazing what's in this collection. And we want to be careful that we don't take in so much. Cause when we agree to take it on, we're agreeing to look after it for the rest of time. And obviously that that, that comes with costs. It comes with the temperature controlled storage and humidity controlled storage and light light requirements. So we're we're very, very careful not to just bring in everything that sounds cool. It has to have a it has to have a reason as why it's part of our collection. And um, I'm learning all sorts of things about running a museum. It's very different than being in a team, that's for sure.
0: Uh, when there's a <coughs> a perfect game, you guys can get the cleats or the you know the, the the, the mound, whatever you're going to get. Any players ever reluctant to give you anything?
1: I mean, the, the, sure, there are some guys who who maybe they feel like this is this is my lifelong dream. I'd rather hang on to it. But I'd say by and large, um, they want it. When, when the Hall of Fame calls, they recognize what a cool <laughs> honor that is. In the same way that I recognized it when the call came to interview. So um, you might have somebody who who would say, you know what, I'd rather not give you that bat for my 500th home run, but how about this jersey or how about my cleats and. Um, honestly, I think everybody recognizes just how special this place is. So it's pretty rare that someone turns us down outright. They're usually maybe trying to find a different artifact because they'll say, like, I can remember actually, um, um, Tim LaCastro, who, uh, was a former Diamondback when I was there and a Yankee now, um, when he set a record for, I think it was most consecutive stolen basis to start his career without getting caught. I was at the Diamondbacks and we asked him, can we, can we give the base to the hall of fame? And he said, I want to give the base to my mom, but I'll give you my cleats. And so okay. again, it's kind of, and it's still, as long as it tells the story, I mean, we wouldn't have said, hey, we want a bat that doesn't do anything for a stolen base record, but you try to tell the story in a unique way. And in that case, um, the base went to his mom and the shoes are here in Cooperstown.
0: <clears throat> I love having athletes on and guys like you who are fans and then made it to the top when the Dodgers won the world series a couple of years ago. Did you feel it as a fan or were you like, oh, Dodgers won? I, I need to know the truth because you
1: worked with Arizona yeah. and now you're that Baseball Hall of Fame guy. Yeah. So honestly, what's interesting is because I had been with the Diamondbacks for 10 years, I had, it's strange. I never would have thought you could lose your fandom. But once I moved to the Diamondbacks, I really kind of ceased being a Dodger fan pretty quickly because you're you're in it every day. The people that you surround yourself with, our livelihood is on the Diamondbacks winning. So I actually became a huge Diamondbacks fan for a decade. And I actually remember when the Dodgers won it all, I kind of turned to my wife and I said, I, I don't feel anything. It's strange. I, I, for someone wow. who grew up dreaming of, I mean, I was 12 when they won in 1988. And then I spent 15 years working there, like hoping for another championship. And when they finally got it, it just kind of felt like any other team. And in a lot of ways, I, I was actually most happy. I have a lot of friends who still work there. And I actually, during the seventh or eighth inning of that game, I was typing out on my phone, a list of all the people that I was happy <laughs> for from, the clubhouse people to the ushers, to my colleagues in the front office, just people that had worked forever there. And that really got, finally got the ring. I was, I was happy for them, but I kind of had no real feeling.
0: As a fan of the game, we're going to put the uh, president, you title it uh, to the side. The field of dreams game last year was one of the coolest made for TV baseball events ever. The uh, M- um, NHL does the miracle, you know, the, um,
1: whatever yeah, there's is classic called. Yeah. winter yeah. classic. Yeah. I'm not a big yeah.
0: hockey guy. I'll, I'll watch the playoffs would you have any other dream destinations? And I know it's very different with hotels and accommodations, any dream places where you would love to see MLB play?
1: Well, obviously this would be a great be oh, stupid not to say, yeah. Superstown would be a great spot. Um, you know, it's funny. One of the ones that we threw out um, when I was in Arizona, I always, we thought a, a game at the Grand Canyon would be pretty awesome where you're hitting balls and it looks like they're going to wow. live in the Canyon. I mean, I will say this MLB is doing a great job of exploring all sorts of places. They're looking into a lot of different ideas. Um, and I think they're smart to do so because they they honestly that Field of Dreams game was the best event that MLB has put on in 20 years. It was I was there on site, and I mean you just you come through you walk through through the movie set and then you come into the corn. I was with my my family and you we were walking through the corn and you come out on the other side and you can hear the audio piped in, is this heaven? No, it's Iowa, and you're looking up at the big league state. It was it was so well done. And um, I think they can continue to do that in a lot of places. And I know they're looking into doing it at a lot of places that will continue to just market the game in a really, really positive way.
0: And you know what? Not to uh, you know make your head a little bigger, you're doing the same thing with the Hall of Fame. Because your Twitter, you're putting up random stuff that you know people who might not go to the Hall and stuff, do you just go around and be like, I'm going to post that today? Because you post some really cool stuff.
1: I appreciate that. Honestly, what, I, what I'm trying to do is just give people a taste of what life is like in Cooperstown and what life is like at the Hall of Fame. and. It kind of amazes me when I, when I talk to my friends around the game how few, of not how few, but I guess how many have not been to Cooperstown. A lot of them have, but a ton of people haven't. And what I want to do is most of the people that follow me, yes, it's some fans, but it's also people in the game and reporters and media. I just want to tell them about how great this place is because I really I want to be an ambassador for Cooperstown and for the Hall of Fame. And so, I mean, I, I don't as much as I wish I spent <clears throat> more time thinking about what to put on there. Most days it's kind of like I'm brushing my teeth and I'm thinking, OK, what would be a fun thing to to tweet today? I don't I kind of want a day is probably more than enough, but or I'll just be driving down Main Street and I'll see a sign. I'll be like, I can't believe this. And I'll just I'll post it. I'm just trying to give people a little slice of what life is like in this job and in this town.
0: How far do you live from Cooperstown <clears throat> from I'm oh, sorry, from the whole thing um,
1: by steps, uh, a couple oh, hundred. Love it. That um,
0: is that's a great yeah. answer. Yeah. My community yeah, I mean, work we, we is moved, we yeah. bought a
1: place. We bought a place right in the village. So we're, we're technically two blocks away.
0: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Cooperstown's a very, very small place. Does everyone know who you are already?
1: No, interestingly, not the same way that you would think I kind of expect. I mean, I suppose that a lot of them maybe know who I am. But I mean, we, we, we've done our best to kind of get ourselves into the little league life and my daughter's <laughs> school plays and. Uh, my wife's involved in nonprofits, but there's a ton of people who have no idea who I am, and that's perfectly fine. I'm not looking to be any sort of celebrity. I just, <laughs> I, I, um, it, it, There's a lot of people who live here who aren't baseball fans. I mean, I, I would say Cooperstown probably has the same percentage of baseball fans that any place else in America does. It's not like the whole town is baseball fans. If you grew up here, it doesn't mean you 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 love the game. So it's, it's, um, I'm sure there's plenty of people who think my job is pretty cool and plenty of others who go, whatever. He's just the dude down the street. And that's hey, kind of how he odd. has a job. That's it. it. Exactly. I'm still, i still, have to walk my dog and <laughs> the dog still goes on their lawn. So, you know, it's really no different. Uh,
0: by being president, do you get a vote for the Hall of Fame?
1: We don't. Um, it, we, it, we've got the, a really great system. I believe that mm-hmm. uh, for the longest time has been based on the Baseball Writers Association, going back to the earliest days of the Hall of Fame, they, they were the voters. And then the, the era committees that we do Again, I think we what we want to do is we want to make sure that we put people on a committee who are going to have an honest debate about a player. So while I do help create those committees, really the only thing that I'm doing is I'm looking for people who don't already have a predetermined idea of what they're going to do. You want someone who's going to go in that room and listen to the arguments that are made and make arguments themselves. And, and then when they come out of it, 12 of those 16 people have to agree that this person's a Hall of Famer. So I don't get a vote, but... Um, I got to be in the room when they were discussing it in December. And it's a pretty cool room to sit in and just be a fly on the wall.
0: How about you take the job, obviously, as a fan, you and I, both fans, greatest job ever. What was the one thing you like, oh, crap, I didn't think of that. And it was a little more difficult to adapt to.
1: Oh, interesting. Um, you know, I think, um, well, certainly, I mean, the easy answer is winter, obviously, that, that I was not <laughs> expecting winter. I mean, I knew, I knew winter was going to be cold, but until you've lived it, it's very, very hard. Um, <laughs> You know, it's it's um, there's a lot of people who, first of all, because we're a nonprofit, we don't have a massive staff. So there's a lot of people that have to wear a lot of different hats. And I think if that's, I'd say the biggest surprise to me has been, like induction weekend, the the person who's doing transportation is actually one of our librarians. And the people that are doing hospitality at the hotel are are administrative assistants. So the mailroom people, we, we don't have an event staff. We literally have one person whose job is events. And everybody else kind of for the big events, classic weekend and Hall of Fame weekend, they just, they, they say, I'll do it, whatever you need. And so it's, I mean, you've got people working crazy jobs that have nothing to do with what they were trained to do, <laughs> but it just kind of happens. It's the way that this place runs and it's really, really well-organized and well-oiled machine. It's pretty cool to watch.
0: Ray to finish up with some quick hit questions. Sure. You come down to the city, we get Shake Shack, you and I are at a bar and you want to impress the whole bar. Who's the coolest person in your phone that if you texted them, they would text you right back?
1: Um, man, I'd probably say because we're in Manhattan, Joe Torrey is a very good friend of mine. So I'm sure that might that might be more interesting than some of the other people, I would say.
0: That's a good name job. I like it. How about this? One baseball game or sporting event you wish you could have witnessed live throughout the history of sports?
1: I would have loved to have been there for Jackie Robinson's first game. I mean, it's, it's an easy one. It just As a Dodger fan and as a as, somebody who recognizes what that meant for our country to have been there when that happened would have just been mind blowing.
0: I've had maybe 500 episodes that, and there's like that one, the miracle on ice, um, the fight of the century, Ali and Frazier. Those are the three I always get, but it's always Jackie Robinson's first game. Always. People will, always just wish they were there for that.
1: Because it just, it transcends the game. I mean, it's just such a bigger moment and who know? I mean, it's crazy. All of us probably say that now. And who knows? I mean, there's, there's the equivalent of things that happen every day now that we just look the other way. And I yeah. don't know that America would have realized a lot of people realized at the moment what was going on and how big it was, but I sure hope that if I was living in New York, I would have found any way to get there that day.
0: Best baseball movie of all time.
1: Hmm. <sighs> Such a tough question. People ask all the time. I mean, <sighs> Field of dreams is obviously Epic. Um, growing up, my favorite one was probably major league. I probably watched okay. Major a hundred times. Um, Bad news bears is is phenomenal. League of their own. It is. I hate that question because I could, <laughs> I could, I could literally, I could, I could list twenty of them and they'd all be on my favorites.
0: I always ask everyone who comes on my phone the coolest piece of memorabilia that they own. I can't ask you that because right now you're the president of everyone. So I'll change it up a little bit. If you can have one artifact from the Hall of Fame and put it in your house on display, what would it be?
1: Oh man, um, <laughs> that's really hard um i mean there's an amazing babe ruth bat that that we we talk about that's in the exhibit that you would walk a lot of people would walk right by if they didn't realize what it was but it's it's actually a bat he used to hit 27 of his 60 homers in 27 so that that one's pretty cool um oh man i mean there's some there's a norman rockwell painting that i'd like to hang in my house that's probably worth 50 million dollars too. i mean this place you 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 get in trouble when you start picking favorites because there's they're all so good there this place is filled with unbelievable artifacts
0: you you mentioned ruth uh my obsession with him is crazy i have like every ebbetsfield flannels i buy every ruth jersey everything i buy is, is cool. ruth the Boston babe jersey so I'll, when i come there you can let me borrow the 1932 uh ticket stub when he called this shot so we'll talk there about that later i love it uh, but listen plug your out uh, your twitter because it's such a cool follow for any baseball fan or anything
1: yeah it's just hof prez i figured my h-o-f-p-r-e-z um i figured my last name wasn't the easiest thing for people to keep track of and my predecessor had that handle. I said, you mind if I take that one? And he said, sure. So um, yeah, hit, hit anybody, time somebody tweets at me, I try to respond or at least acknowledge. And uh, I just appreciate that, that, that we've got fans all over the world that love keeping track of what's going on here in Cooperstown. And hopefully they'll get to come visit.
0: Josh, this was a blast, man. Thank you so much for doing this. I'll see you later on in the year. I love coming up around October, November when it's really dead up there. Uh, thank you for doing this, man. This was so much fun, brother.
1: You bet, Mike. We'll see you up here when you get back.
0: See you soon, my friend. Take care. Bye-bye.